Hey, boys, this is Tony Mast. Just wanted to uh, call and, and let you know a little something. You were talking about uh, Alpha Flight and how the story started in Media Res. I believe Andrew was mentioning that and uh, how you didn't really know what was going on. If you recall the original uh, Alpha Flight uh, penned by John Byrne and uh, inked by John Byrne, I say also, uh, he started many most possibly almost all of the issues of Alpha Flight that he penned by starting in media res. Uh, that was very common for his storytelling style uh, back when he was doing uh, writing writing uh, and, and drawing Alpha Flight back in the day, as it were, back when I still read comic books regularly, back when they were 75 cents a piece. Uh, Thanks for the show. You guys are doing a great job. And, uh, hey, congratulations on almost 100. See ya. I, I, I have a small itty-bitty banner topic, but it would be cross-promotional again, which I think is okay because I think Tony left a voicemail there. He did. He did. Okay, so. Yeah, I hear he disputes my opinion of Alpha Flight, that bastard. Yes. Well, he should. Well, he, he, he says that... Uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? He was pretentious and uh Yes, you know. exactly. Well you know, it was all back when I was reading comics. You know, it was a lot of that. Her- herbal herbal. <laughs> I fell asleep halfway through my comics. You started time. reading late. I saw your tweet last night settling into comics and I'm like, damn, I'm already done and I'm the late starter. Yeah, we had guests in from out of town for the weekend, so we were out entertaining them until I don't know, like eleven. Well, you know, I fell asleep. I was wearing, I was wearing my my dress shirt, my dress pants. I had my socks on still. I just, boom, I was out. And you didn't so, wake uh, up extra early this morning to finish. I woke up at five, and I got up, and I took my clothes off, and I brushed my teeth, <laughs> and then I went back to bed for about another an hour and a half. That was about it. It sounds like you're fulfilling your slacker duties as new Jonathan. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. He would have been late to the podcast, though, had he been fulfilling That's his true, true duties. We would have had to <laughs> call him and text him and gone, what the WTF? And then he, he'd you, pick up some, hey, yeah. hey, guys. hey, hey, guys, give me a minute, okay? <laughs> and then we'd hear him spark up a cigarette. Touch <laughs> the toilet. And pop open a Coke. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> All right, so what's, what's the next book? God damn. <laughs> the sad thing is I could have finished reading all of my books in the time we just had this conversation. <laughs> Since I only had three this week and one we don't actually talk about. Ben. Okay, God damn it, Aaron. It's what? Company of Monsters. I know, I keep saying that, don't I? You I'm can't sorry. even get it right when we're talking to the writer. I know, and he didn't correct me. It was very nice of him. I was like, this is awkward, because Aaron keeps saying Company of Men. <laughs> that, that was a good interview, That besides that, though. <laughs> Aaron excluded. That was a good interview. <laughs> no, no, I, I listened to it uh, earlier this week. It was it was good. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. So what's the next fucking book on the list? <laughs> Action damn. Comics nine hundred one. Thank you. Did anybody else read it? No. I don't have no. about it. Was it Dick Sweat? Was it bad? It wasn't. It, it, I, had to, I had to qualify that Dixway was not good. It's actually bad. Palaparte, <laughs> <laughs> pioneering new words and phrases. Um, it wasn't as bad as 900. How about that? All right. I'm glad I didn't buy it. It was an improvement over 900, but, you know, it's still a uh, a uh, bad story. Balls. Yeah. That's Dixway. 
Dick Sweat. Dick Sweat, exactly. Which, as Paul defines, is not good. Exactly. Speaking of Dick Sweat, Doc and Dark Wolverine 9.1. I think I'm the only one reading it. Yes. Um, I don't have to talk about it. Was that any good? It was. Hmm. It was. I'm enjoying the Doc and title, for the most part. Is he finally out of the like X-23 crossover now? He is, yes. Uh, and okay. he and he uh, uh, had a big moment with Wolverine in this issue. Oh, cool. A big gay moment? Yeah. Well, you know, it, the whole thing is, I'm not my father. And so for someone who's trying not to be his father, he's spending a whole lot of time talking to his father. <laughs> Did they How have awkward that would it be if he banged X-23? See, what? I think that's what ought to happen. <laughs> but it's his father's clone. How does that work? Who cares? <laughs> it's his it's his father's opposite gender clone. As I mean, we have defined, that's okay and not You know what? We have all... not discussed opposite gender clones of immediate family. Okay, this no, is a banter it's... topic. Banter topic. <laughs> no. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. No. Topic. God damn Next. it. I... Second. We need to... Okay, everybody calm the fuck down. We need to have a serious discussion about the way this fucking podcast has gone the last couple of weeks. I'm fucking skeeved, grossed out, I've had it, pissed. Oh. <laughs> fucking team burgers and dick. Butt. I swear to fucking Christ, you boys. <sighs> Maybe you should bring your own banter topic next time. <laughs> he did. He has a small itty bitty banter topic. Maybe I need to take a week off. Maybe that's what it is. Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. And this is Andrew. So I have an important announcement to make. Uh oh. Well, we knew Paul. It was just a matter of time before he came out of the closet. Oh, I mean, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> is it downsizing? God, tell me it's not downsizing. I don't have seniority. No. We have a sponsor this week. A sponsor? Yes. What? This week's episode is sponsored by Ruby Tuesday. (laughs) Come try any of our 31 delicious flavors of hamburger, including the new Taint Burger. Uh. As as heard on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. (laughs) Tim, I feel we're growing apart from you. You seem to not be on board with things like Taint Burgers. Yeah, that is that is a true and accurate statement. <laughs> so no cease and desist letter yet, then I'm guessing, Paul. No, well, no, not yet. Not yet. Oh, good, good. They're gonna send like a Ruby Tuesday assassin to take care of me. <laughs> but you know, it is a holiday weekend, so you know, it might it might be a few more days before we get that. That's good. true. But you know, it's yeah. Memorial Day, and you know, I, I know some people will be at home grilling in their backyard, trying to make their own taint burgers to share with their families. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> what are your plans for this Memorial Day weekend? I plan to have an aneurysm. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> that seems like an odd plan to have. Well, you know, keep it up, boys. Um, <laughs> No, I th- we're gonna throw the fr- we're gonna do some frisbee golfing and um, 
you know, just hanging out with friends. Nothing major. Nothing money consuming. <laughs> oh, I'm heading to the uh, the local Renaissance Fair here today. Then gaming tomorrow, and no real plans on uh, on Monday. Although today is also free RPG day. Oh man! Oh, wait, today today's free RPG day. I thought that was today in June. Is free RPG day. I am adding that to my list of things to do. Yeah, let me I, double check. I saw all the signs for it at my comic shop today, or on Wednesday. Huh? I thought free Thanks, RPG. Wayne, man. It's it says Saturday, June eighteenth. All right, it is not today then. Never mind. <laughs> I think I think Andrew, you should still go to your your friendly or not friendly your local game store and demand a free RPG anyways. <laughs> You know, uh, depending on who's working, I may, I may try that when I walk through the door. Well, in that case, for anyone listening, Free RPG Day is June 18th, not today. <laughs> well, my, shop had all, my shop had all the signs hung up already, and I, they had flyers they threw in, so I just kept thinking it was this weekend. They're doing something RPG-related this weekend. You know, with the magic of editing, Aaron could make it sound like you're not a jackass, but he won't. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's been a little wet here in my part of the country, but God willing, uh, we're going to go out to the air show today. There's a free Memorial Day uh, air show. It's usually uh, pretty pretty amazing every year. And then I think Sunday I've got gaming, but I think otherwise we're just kind of laying low on Sunday. And then Monday we're doing stuff, uh, cooking out with my parents and some other family and friends that are in town for Memorial Day. Yeah, the weather hasn't really liked those of us in Missouri this uh, this last few weeks. Nah, these last couple of weeks have been rough. Joplin. Holy crazy. The pictures are awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, luckily the people I know in Joplin, no, no one was hurt, but pretty much everyone I know in Joplin, their house was completely destroyed. I don't know anyone whose house survived. How big was that tornado? Was it like, you know? It was a, a F5. It's the highest What's category. The biggest, yeah. Wow. It's the category they refer to as the finger of God, where yeah. basically it just, when it runs across it, there's nothing left. <clears throat> Yeah, and it it had it's you know once you get to five that means it was greater than two hundred mile per hour winds and uh, you know I I work in a pretty sturdy building uh, I work in a hospital and it's when I'm usually in there I'm not usually too worried about tornadoes but seeing the pictures of St John's which is a you know two hundred bed hospital in Joplin and how just destroyed it was makes you realize that uh, even in, in something like that you're not really safe yeah that's just insane. We had uh, we had lots of, of rough weather here this week, but you know obviously nothing like that. But we've we had uh, tornadoes, you know, like three tornadoes in the area this weekend, this past week. It's yeah, just, you know that's it, funny too because we had the tornado drill go off. <laughs> we were having a conversation because last time we went in the basement, I said, "Well, wifey, um, I'm not going down there again because." I've dealt with those people for 30 minutes in a basement stuck there with all of our neighbors. <laughs> I think I'd rather just roll the dice on this one. <laughs> well, you know, it, we on, I think it was Tuesday night, uh, and the uh, sirens were going off, and we were watching the, the weather radar, and I mean, just these huge cells. In fact, they had to evacuate the uh, uh, Ranger Stadium. Uh, during the ball game because there was a tornado headed straight for it and you know apparently on the radar that, that looked like there was one coming our direction so you know loaded the dogs up into the into the laundry room and you know the, the wife and I are, are you know getting in there and she sees me come walking in with my iPad under one arm and Galactus under another <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's like you're priorities <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you got to protect the devourer of worlds and, you know, iPad. Come on. 
<laughs> you should have left him out there. He could have sucked up the hurricane or the tornado with his Galactus seed. Yeah, but it would have gave him gas. Yeah, I was out <laughs> driving in the storms on Wednesday. I uh, Basically, around here, because of everything that's happened, all the tornadoes that you know hit Lambert and Joplin and all that, everyone is freaking out the moment the storms hit. So at work, as soon as the storms you know, hit the radar that they were coming in, they started sending people home early. So like, okay, wow, I can get my comics early. I go to the comic shop. I, uh, I head home and my wife's waiting there with the, the dog that we were dog sitting. It was her grandma's dog. And she's like, okay, get back in the car. We're taking this thing over to my cousin's house. We're not dog sitting this little shit anymore. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, it turns out that the, the dog had shit on our couch. The one we bought two weeks ago. <clears throat> Brand new couch. Just had it for two weeks. And the dog jumps up and does the one thing that's not covered under warranty. Shits on it. So <laughs> we, hop, we hop in the car and we're driving down. And we, we have the radio on it. It's, you can't see anything. Cars are being tossed around on the road. And we keep hearing, oh, there's a tornado right in front of us. Didn't see anything, but you know we kept hearing it on the radio as we go through. And it's like I got to be back home by seven to do work stuff. <laughs> the dog was a Shih Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the moral of that story is that Wayne still got his comics. Yeah, priorities. And my was going to go pick them up for me because when I, wa- I was in the comic store, I picked all my books up and you know she runs up behind me and hugs me i'm thinking what the hell's going on it's two o'clock i'm at a comic book store why the hell is she here it's worlds are crossing over that shouldn't happen there's my comic world there's my you know my home world and then there's my work world they don't combine worlds are colliding so you know right. speaking of uh, crossovers i want you to get i want you guys to know that uh op- operation uh crossover has been a success because I've been uh, doing my picks for the backseat uh, box office uh, game for the last, uh, I don't know, two months. And uh, I, I, I started it to basically beat Andrew. That was my whole goal. Mission but, accomplished. Uh, now I'm ahead of all three of the hosts uh, as of right now, which is going to change, but whatever. As of, as of this moment, I've officially, I've officially accomplished my goals. I wanted to yeah. beat them at their own game, and I have. Yeah, you've been so doing a little, doing a little quite pat on the back for Tim right there. Yeah, <laughs> congrats, man. It's uh, you you've been doing very well. Yeah, and I skipped this week because well, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's only gonna go down from here. <laughs> so, but yeah, so there we go, a little crossover action there. You know, you well, could yeah, try I- to this at our own game, but our game is you know disgusting you, so it'd be hard to do. Well, Tony did call in, I think, and left a message with Aaron critiquing our critique of Alpha Flight last week, Paul. Yes, that is correct. So I think he is trying to beat us at all at our own game. Why you know what did I said, Tony? Me? What did I do? <laughs> Tony called Paul. I thought, I, thought, I thought we were. Did you did you read Alpha Flight last week? Nope. I don't oh, read never. shit. I mean, other than the Batman books. <laughs> maybe, then I was maybe about to say Grant Morrison. I only read one Grant Morrison book now. One too many. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, I sure wish I could quit you, Grant. (laughs) Grant. (laughs) 
Uh, we need to have him on the show. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We'll have a Grant Morrison, Matt Fraction episode. Now, Paul, oh. you're spoiling our, our 100th episode. <laughs> God damn it. No, if that happened, the episode would be spoiled before you know, released it. <laughs> See, Only if you end up writing it. I just want to get Straczynski on and get Dan Jurgens on and be like, okay, Straczynski, we want you to shut up while Dan Jurgens tells you how to write Superman. Because he obviously <laughs> doesn't know how. Well, you know, having Straczynski and Matt Fraction on would be interesting since they both write, wrote Thor. And the Mighty Thor number two came out this week, written by Mr. Matt Fraction. And, um, I had some qualms about it, actually, since we're talking about J. Michael Straczynski. You had some qualms. Qualms. Why would you have qualms? This was a beautiful book. It was a beautiful book. In fact, I love this book. Yeah. But J. Michael Straczynski left Marvel because they wanted to take his Thor book in a different direction than he was taking it. Right. You know, he, he had Asgard in Oklahoma, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was dealing with the little guy. You know, he had that guy, Bill, who died. And, you know... <clears throat> So he had his whole storyline going. Yeah, all the stuff I cared about in the book. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so in the pages of The Mighty Thor, Asgard is still in Oklahoma, and we're focusing on the denizens of the town. And I just – I don't understand. You know, there was this whole push to, to do something different with Asgard, and The Mighty Thor reads just like the JMS book did. Yeah, it does. It reads a lot like it. Which is – Honestly, high praise. Oh, yeah. I love the JMS stuff, and I got to say, I love the Mighty Thor. Um, it just it feels like, you know, it, it, given the drama around it, it's kind of surprising that the book is still is so similar to, to, you know, to his run that they wanted to change. Right. Are they, they dealing they with the Bill and the Kalinda relationship in there at all? No, they're not. They're not mentioned at all in, in these first two issues. Because if they were, I'd go out and buy it right now. But they are spending more time with the people of Broxton, and uh, you know, you do actually have some rather you know personal interplay between the the Asgardian characters. And once again, I'm just loving these Silver Surfer pages, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Silver again, the Silver Surfer is (laughs) my favorite part of the Mighty Thor book. Um, But this issue. I actually enjoyed this issue in general more than I enjoyed the last issue. Um, it just needed a little more Loki, but Loki does have his own book, so I'm okay with you know the lack of Loki in these pages. Yeah, I, I dug it. I you know the uh, it's a little dis dis uh, jarring, I should say, a little jarring to read the Mighty Thor in its current continuity versus what's going on in Fear itself. You know, I had to keep I had to keep reminding myself, okay, this happens before Fear itself. You know. Because you've got a whole different dynamic going on between Odin and Thor in those pages versus here, but I, I'm really digging this, and I'm you know I'm curious about this whole seed thing that Odin had Thor retrieve from from the roots of the uh, the World Tree. Um, mm-hmm. The pages though are just beautiful, just beautiful. I'm I'm just absolutely digging this book. Uh, agreed, and you know you can tell that. Uh... The book is heavily informed by the movie. Yeah. Um, the Odin present in these pages is very much like the Anthony Hopkins version of the character. You get yeah. to see the Destroyer, you know, Heimdall. Yeah, They're I did. focusing on the characters that were focused on in the movie. And I did feel like they were throwing Heim- the Destroyer in there, I mean, directly as a uh, nod towards the, towards the film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And I'll say that the that the settings, you know, in Asgard look a lot like the movie as well. You know, yes. like the like all the stained glass in uh, Odin's bedchambers. And by the way, how big a fucking bed does he need? <laughs> it's like a double king size. I mean, that bed is huge. You know, the only reason to have a bed that big is if you're going to have your opposite gender clones in there with you. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can have an unlimited number of those. Exactly. You know, a six pack, you know. (laughs) Well, what's funny to me about this book is that Asgard is just so highly livable in considering it's in ruins. Exactly. Exactly. The the outside of Asgard doesn't, uh, you know, match up to what the inside of Asgard looks like. It's like the Dalek. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's just funny. Um, But at the same time. Even though Matt Fraction is writing Fear itself, uh-huh. this book just seems continuity light. Uh-huh. You can come in, you can enjoy it. Uh, and Tim, I gotta say, I know you, you're you're not big on Fraction, you know, but this is a Thor book that I think you would enjoy. Well, and I, I have to point to my favorite bit of dialogue from Thor in this book. You know, he he's walking back uh, <laughs> from from the hall with Sif, and and he says, "Come, dawn breaks and the night ends." I need warming woman. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to trot that line out tonight. Yes. I need warming woman. <laughs> so Aaron's going to have a black eye next week. When we recording. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. And strangely, no warming. Yeah. And he'll be cold. That's right. He'll be a little chilly. So, um, I, I really dug mighty Thor. This, this puts me right back where I was in the, in, in the comfort zone when JMS was writing the book. I really hope that it continues on in the same vein. Now, a book that I was disappointed in in the previous issue, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 661, I decided not to pick up Amazing Spider-Man 662 since Dan Slott wasn't going to be reading it. But I know that everyone else on the podcast did. So uh, tell me what I missed. Uh, You made a mistake, Aaron. I would agree. It was much better. As bad as the last issue was, this one was that much better. It was uh, not dumb. It wasn't awkward, I thought. It had some great character moments between Spider-Man and the Avengers Academy kids. Yeah, you know how every character was out of character last week? Mm-hmm. They were all in character this week. Everything was – everyone you know, read like they should have. You know, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to point to specifics, but yeah, it, this was very much a tale of – um, Spider-Man showing that he had he had faith in these kids and he would do whatever it took to uh, save them from hurting others and themselves and it was it was awesome. You got the whole angle between you know uh, Osborn versus Spider-Man since Osborn's the one who had uh, uh, neglected and, and horrified these children when they were younger and uh, try and turn them into villains and so he, it was somewhat a battle between him and Osborn even though Osborn wasn't there. Yeah, and the kids learning to respect Spider-Man because he didn't treat them like kids or time bombs. That you know, the fact that someone actually believed in them for a change reaches them. Yeah, it was it was it was it was definitely a good read. Even the um, backup, both of the backups were really good in this one. Yeah, I was I, just gonna say. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was gonna say my favorite part of it was the infested backup. You know, written by Dan Slott. It and. Um, I guess spoiler warning on. It's only two pages, so I mean, can you really spoil two pages? Um, well, sure, sure, because I'm about to. Um, <laughs> you know, they they show Spider-Man saving a family from a burning building, and you know, the the whole point of Infested is that 
the Jackal has released these radioactive um, spiders out into you know New York, and the general populace are getting uh, the same powers as Spider-Man. And so, you know, Spider, you know, the, one of the 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 whole thing is that Spider-Man can't be everywhere at once. He saved one family, but another family unfortunately died in a fire. Blah blah blah. But it shows um, a guy standing with his family. And you know he, he, you know he has the powers of Spider-Man now, and he didn't do anything to help anybody else. He's like, I'm not a superhero. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I need to take care of my own family and not worry about anybody else. And that was just, I, I thought that was a very unique way to go with the story. Yeah, I very much enjoyed that. His his sentiment of, I can't go risking my neck not when my family depends on me. That actually that made sense and it was poignant. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's a very it's a it's that's a very human human emotion. I mean that's that's more the normal uh, response that someone's gonna have to something like this. This was in by fact far I mean my favorite of the infested tie-ins. And I mean he kind of mirror, mirrors what what Peter felt when he first got the powers. You know before he he had the whole great responsibility and Uncle Ben died. You know he he was out to use his powers for himself, not to help other people. You know you know and, I think I think my favorite part of this was the was the magnetic man backup. Yeah. Even though there's nothing really original about it, it was great. I loved his conversation with him. You know, it it was funny because Christos Gage didn't write that backup, but it felt very much like a Avengers Initiative kind of kind of story. And I and then I I was very very uh, bought in, and even those things only like I don't know seven or eight pages. That it was it was really well done. So, yeah, I I think you made a mistake, Aaron. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Gage last you know last week for the first part of this, but he was back on his game for this issue. Do you think they'll let me trade in the last issue for this issue? Just an even swap? Doesn't doesn't hurt to try. Yeah, this issue sucked, but I heard that one's good. Can we swap out? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't. Well, and, and you know, Spider-Man was more in just one was was in more than one book this week. He was also in FF number four. Look at you keeping us on track. <laughs> I'm blushing. Like, how do we transition? How do we transition? <laughs> I, I was going to go with Sublabe. You know, you should have thought about the future more, but <laughs> oh, that would have been bad. I'm glad Andrew went. <laughs> I got to say, you know, uh, when Future Foundation comes out every every month. It is always at the top of my pile. I just, I am so digging this book. Jonathan Hickman's got a, got a great knack for these characters and the story. I just totally digging where he's going with this. And, and this issue is no exception. I'm, I'm just really, really enjoying this book. What'd you guys think? I loved it. You know, um, considering that I didn't have much interest in this title to begin with, uh-huh. you know, I, I, I didn't read the Jonathan Hickman Fantastic Four stuff. But, you know, FF number one, I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. Jump in. Spider-Man's in the book. You know, I like the new costumes. And, yeah, I am digging this book. I I, I think it's fantastic. I think even the, the, you know, they swapped out the artist on this issue. It's Barry Kitz, Kitson instead yeah. of Steve Epting. Yeah. I thought the art still worked well. I had some problems on a couple of the panels. Um, like, for instance, I don't like the way the guy draws uh, Dr. Doom. Yes, I will Be- agree with that. Because Doctor, he makes Dr. Doom's mask, you know, emotive. You know, it changes with his facial expression, and you know, it's a mask. It's a, it's a, it's an, a, a metal mask. It shouldn't be doing those things. You know, you should be catching the expression through the eyes and the shadows and whatnot. You shouldn't be reading it like his. It was an expressive face. 
you know, looking at a couple panels, he actually has the mouth opening and closing too. Yeah, the mouth of the mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just it really bugged me. It but it bugs me like seeing Spider Man's eyes squint when his eyes shouldn't move either. You know, I always kind of imagine that that's his his eyebrow pushing it down or something like that. I just I I, I can forgive that a little bit, but this bugged me. Now you remember our conversation about the Avengers point one book and how I was really annoyed about how fearful Tony Stark was about what he had learned about the Ultrons and that there just wasn't anything in the story that supported Tony Stark's sudden freak out about this. Remember that conversation? Yep. Okay. So in this book, you know, Reed has kind of a similar moment where he's, you know, very concerned about what's going on and, uh, you know, the high evolutionary says to him, he says, you know, I find this all very disturbing, Richards. I've never seen you like this before. And of course, you know, Reed's concern is that the Council of Reeds has has come to our reality and is, you know, has this big plan afoot. And, you know, it's the Council of Reeds. These are all guys who are at least as smart as our Reed Richards. Some of them may be even smarter. These guys are dangerous. Reed's freaking out. But we see the reason for it. You know, you 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 see people that are responding to him. You can understand there's been a foundation that's built. Um, that's the way you do it. I found that very believable that Reed would just be desperately concerned about this, as he is in the book. Um, that we just didn't get that same kind of thing over in that Avengers point one issue. You know, I only had two minor nitpicks with this issue, and it wasn't anything that made me not enjoy it. It's I hate when they use Sue's force fields like telekinesis. She's making a sandwich with her force fields. That seem, I mean, you you have to wrap the force field around something, float it over. It's not telekinesis, but they just treat it like telekinesis sometimes. I think it's kind of like telekinesis. I mean, I had no problem with like using the knife to slice the crust off. You know the. The invisible uh-huh. force field knife, but actually moving things around like telekinesis kind of bothers me because it's that's not really what invisible force fields would, you know, should be do- used for. Well, I think that they have represented, you know, through the evolution of the character that she does kind of use it like a hand, you know. Yeah, so I mean, I can, it's I can definitely. See that. It was nothing new in this issue. It's something that's bugged me yeah. for years when oh, they okay. do it. Uh, it just cracks me up. Wayne's like, that is an inappropriate use of future foundation resources, woman. <laughs> it's just making a sandwich out of it was kind of the – it's like really that straw you, I, that broke the camel's back. I would totally use my force fields to make uh, a sandwich. Uh, there would not be tomato on it though. I, 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 could never, think of other I would never use – use, I would never use my force field powers for you know to, to manipulate tomatoes because why? Because they're a disgusting berry. That's what they are. They have no place so, on a sandwich. So the other thing that bugged me was the uh, the kid being pointlessly cruel to Ben and getting him to storm off. Well, and he, I here's, don't really see the point of those pages or the point of him doing that. Well, I'm sure there's something coming down the you know that that knowing look you know on the following page after Ben leaves. You know, I suspect that you know there's a there's a story coming from that. But here's what I don't get. You know, here's Ben who knows that shit's about to hit the fan and he's going to take a couple of days off. Yeah. I mean, with all those people on the other side of the door and that he's there guarding, yep. the kid's going to be able to get to him. How many times has he been called a monster and a kid calling him monster face is enough for him to leave? Yeah. Yeah. I need a break. 
yeah, in the middle of this this super big crisis. Yeah, I those out of the whole book, those were the only two pages I didn't like at all. Yeah. The conversation between the kid and him. Oh, and I, I checked Dwayne, and it's six hundred twenty-one thousand three hundred fourteen. What are you talking about? That's how many times Ben's been called a monster on the pages of Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Huh. Now we know. I bet they have to update that like every week. <laughs> yeah, wow. you know, you know, I think how it's a recent, monthly update. Yeah. How recent is that is that data? Uh, it says updated as of let's see, April thirtieth, two thousand eleven. Oh, so it's not really current. I think it's monthly. I think it's probably monthly. Holy shit, it's a real thing. I thought he was joking. <laughs> oh, I, I completely am joking, but... Oh. <laughs> but apparently I fooled you. <laughs> yeah, but Paul's a little gullible. But, you know, Paul, uh, Backseat Box Office is getting some sponsorship from IMDb, so... And really, Grant Morrison won't disappoint you this month. <laughs> really? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and you know what? It's really not weird that you don't do that in the shower. That's not weird at all. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only person in the world that doesn't. It's okay. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. Sir. Let's say that you run a comic book company. Uh-huh. And you have a series of monthly titles. Like about a team. Uh, you know, let's say you had for example, three Avengers books. Uh-huh. And those Avengers books were crossing over. Uh-huh. Yeah. Would you release all three Avengers books on the same week every month? No. Or would you no, kind of, would you know, split it out a little bit? I think that I would uh, try and uh, spread that love around. Yeah, you know, I would too, I would think. But uh, DC disagrees. Because DC released three Green Lantern books this week. <laughs> Part 7, 8... And nine, and then I was all sorts of pissed off because there's still another part left. I'm like, you're, you're serious? I read all this fucking Green Lantern, and I still didn't get to do the story. I gotta well, tell you, you think- it is okay. so liberating not to be reading Green Lantern anymore. <laughs> you know, I have to give them credit though, because when looking at the covers of those, it actually says right on the cover what part of the story it is. So there's no risk of if you're reading the story, you know, grabbing part ten instead of part nine. I agree. That is a best practice. I, I think they, they've done a good thing there. Yeah, no, that that is good. But, Paul, do you think they they kind of pushed them all out this week because they're trying to get everything done before the actual movie drops? I think, honestly, I think what's happening besides the movie, because unfortunately when the movie comes out, they're going to be in the epilogue to the War of the Green Lanterns. I think what they're trying to do is everything's trying to be rushed out before uh, Flashpoint ends. But at the same time, okay, it's been a month without a Green Lantern book. Why can't you know? Why couldn't these be released on separate on you know the three weeks in between instead of releasing them all at the same time? I mean, I you know I guess if for that if I'm going to read all of my Green Lantern books at the same time, I should just buy the fucking trade. Yeah, you well, it, and I had a hard time this week standing there because I think I think it's well known that I'm a bit burnt out on Green Lantern. I've been kind of vacillating between dropping it or not, drop and I'm sitting there. Drop it. And there was nine dollars a Green Lantern book staring God. me in the eye. I was like, because <clears throat> uh, there's a couple things I didn't pick up this week that I wanted to. I was staring at them. It, because it you took were a lot. vacillating. Yeah, I, I stood there and vacillated, exactly. But eventually I, uh, I, I, I 
bit the bullet, picked them up. And actually, I'm kind of glad I did. These are some of the three best Green Lantern books I've read probably in the past six months. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I've, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed all three of these books. Yeah, yeah th- th- this, you know, now that the War of the Green Lanterns is really coming to a head, you know, it, it seems to be going well. You know, the, the books are interesting. There's a lot of action going on. And, you know, it seems like there's a purpose. They know where they're going. There's something that's going to happen. And obviously something big did happen this week. Well, I think every I think each of these books has one kind of big thing or big reveal in it that that comes out. So do you want want to take them one at a time and talk about Green Lantern 66 first? Okay, what was the big reveal there? Well, for me, maybe you'll disagree, but I thought the fact that we find out that Krona's plan for the, the, the humans is that he wants them to be the new guardians of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. That was interesting. Because he feels, you know, Corona's big on emotions. He's always uh, railed against the uh, the other traditional guardians for for not denying emotions. So he wants to replace all the old guardians with with humans who have this great capacity for all types of emotion. And so part of this is him testing them to see what their emotional capacity is. And then he puts those little bandages on them that are going to turn into a little freaky blue guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a question actually about this book. Yeah. Um, there's a scene in which Sinestro, he's trapped in the Book of the Black. He sees the origin for a lot of different characters. Um, you know, he finds out that Indigo is, you know, she has a mysterious past in which she was in jail. You know, and is violent as hell. Yeah, and is violent. And then he comes, you know, he, he, he almost gets out of the book. And Krona burns the page that he's on. Is that meant to imply that? Sinestro is dead. It seems like no. I, that, that was just an. It was I don't know. That was just an odd scene to me. I would imagine it would have been a bigger scene had he died, but I don't know. The implication was you know he was trapped in the book and she burned that part of the book. Or he is Krona a guy or a woman? I think it's a dude. It's a dude. No, yeah. Read the flashback when he was still a big buff guy with a mustache. Oh yeah, that's right. Rocking. Um. <laughs> Oh, but what, what was that? Boom, 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 boom. It's your other podcast calling. <laughs> it's nice of Rainsboro calling? <laughs> Answer. No, it wasn't. Uh, no, I don't, you know, I, I see what you're saying, Paul, with the flames. I I can't imagine Sinestro's dead, though. I mean, it's, it's Sinestro. There's no way they would just kill him in one little panel, kind of just yeah, off by itself. You know, that's kind of why I wrote it off as, you know, it's not a death scene, but, I don't know, it's just an odd way to present the scene. But I thought, yeah. Yeah, I can see exactly what you're saying there. It's not not quite as obvious a death scene as Jon Stewart going Black Lantern and taking a sniper rifle to Mogo. Oh my god. Oh yes! Spoiler warning on. (laughs) Too late spoiler! (laughs) (laughs) You know, Mogo is just Turning out these thousands and thousands of Green Lanterns to uh, corrupt and bring them yeah. under Parallax's control. Yeah, so John Stewart, he's, he's pretending he's Oprah. You get a ring, and you get a ring. <laughs> and so uh, John Stewart does what has to be done, and it is it is it is fantastic. It was hot is what it was. Oh my god. <laughs> So, I mean, to give a little background, they they uh, descend into the belly of the whale, so to speak. And, you know, Kyle does his, I'm hopeful, I'm blue, let's see if we can, like, remove the corruption with the blue ring. And they realize that 
uh, back when Mogo uh, sucked up all the Black Lanterns, he didn't really get rid of the Black uh, Lantern uh, influence. It was still kind of surging around inside of him. And so Jonathan Stewart uh, takes the uh, takes the energy into his indigo ring and busts out the busts out the whoop ass. He brings out the planet killer. Yeah. The triple barrel heat seeking shotgun sniper rifle with you know hyperboric rounds or whatever. It was hot. And there's I, I see no way in which Mogo is coming back from this. No. No, he's done. That is that is one dead planet right there. And to be honest, I don't remember a lot more about this book, but just the last, I don't know, five, six pages when when, you know, Kyle fails. John takes the black energy in and blows the planet up is is well worth the price. Well worth the three dollars. And they have an obituary in the in the letters page for Mogo. <laughs> it is fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah, if you haven't read the obit, it's it's good. They said please send donations of willpower or cash. Actually cash is better. <laughs> but you know, whatever. <laughs> oh. Well, there, I think my favorite line out of the obituary was, he leaves behind two moons and assorted debris hurtling dangerously <laughs> through space. Seriously, be careful. What you think about Paul? He, was a, he was a pretty young planet. He was only 26 years old. Well, I mean, oh. 26 revolutions. I mean, that, you know. Oh, that's true. Not really like Earth years. Well, I mean, his That's real age, his comic book age is age unknown because he, you know, creation of the universe. But yeah, he, he, I guess he first appeared in comics in '85. Yeah, his first so. debut. So, we'll what you think about uh, what you think about Core there, uh, Paul? You've been kind of quiet. I, you know, Core. I think even though it had the biggest shocker, I still feel that Core was the weakest book. Um, writing-wise. And, and I felt that way for a while now about Green Lantern Corps. I feel out of the three titles, it's got the weakest art and the weakest story. Um, well, yeah, and, and, the, and the Kyle Rayner Blue Lantern, the Blue Lantern Kyle Rayner thing is just not working for me. And I, I was going to say something about... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. You, go ahead. I was going to say, has Tyler Kirkman been doing... Or, sorry, has Tyler Kirkham been doing the, the art on Core for a while? Um... Since a weapon or storyline, I think just uh, the last five or six issues, maybe. Because I thought this art was actually a big step up from previous art and core. Uh, maybe that's just me, but I thought it, it was actually a good, a good bit better than it usually is. Well, and I, and I have to say something about that. I feel like the art looks better because so much of it is not penciling. I, no. it, uh, so much of this book, se- you know, relies on the color and the computer-generated effects. You know, I'm, I wonder how much of this. I mean, some of it's very obviously, you know, this is a computer-generated panel. You know, you've got a, you know, and when they're in the heart of Mogo, you know, that doesn't seem like a penciled. Um, you know, there's a huge Green Lantern ring with lightning bolts radiating, radiating off of it. That doesn't seem like a penciled, inked, and you know, colored page to me. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, again, not. I, I don't think the art was bad. I don't think the story was bad. I just felt it was the weakest of the three books, despite the shocking ending, you know, in which someone snipes a planet with snipes black the, snipes the living shit out of a planet. Yeah, yeah, black ring energy. Oh my god, <laughs> that guy just can't quit killing planets, can he? 
Hey, and they make that joke in Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number 10. <laughs> <laughs> that they do. They're like, how many planets do you need to kill? Nice. <laughs> so we get uh, it. You're a big man. You're powerful. Stop blowing up planets. <laughs> no, but, uh, I think he needs to do that to Oa. Yeah, Turn that, that gun on Oa. Do it! Do it, do it you pussy! <laughs> but but Oa know, exists in the Legion of Superheroes time, and Mogo's dead then. And now we know why. That's true. Well, and you know, Oa's had a bit of a rough run, because as you might remember, they were still rebuilding from the whole Blackest Ring siege. Uh, and unfortunately, after Moga gets blown up, meteorites start raining across Oa and blowing everything up again. I'm, I'm focused on your phrase, Blackest Ring Siege. Was that a, a Marvel-DC crossover? <laughs> no, it's when the, it's, no, well, it's when the Black Rings were laying siege to the uh, Central Power Battery on Oa. Oh, God, I get it now. <laughs> was, that, was that enough words for you, Aaron? I, I understand. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole core was trying to fight off the black rings before they could uh, pierce the central battery? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. So, Stupid. yeah. Oa, again, devastated. But they said they will rebuild, so. <laughs> Eventually. Yay, rebuild. They're still destroying it. It's like Asgard. They're just going to leave that shit standing there. <laughs> Ruiny and stuff. Yeah. So, so can I expect to see, you know, Green Lanterns hanging out at the Walmart raising money for uh, the rebuilding efforts of Oa? I would imagine so. They're going to sell oh. Green Lantern cookies. Yeah. <laughs> maybe like maybe willpower cookies. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? <laughs> Isn't the maybe, purpose to have the it, willpower not to eat the cookie? Well, it's a big empty box because you've got the willpower not to eat them. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And maybe I would go back and I would punch someone in the face. <laughs> and maybe with every box of cookies you buy, they'll give away Green Lantern glow up rings. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> glow up rings. Hey, they don't have Bogo out there to direct the rings anymore, so someone's got to do it. Yeah, I'll take care of that. <laughs> You'll take care of that. <laughs> you, you've got the free time. Paul's yeah, got, I got covered. Yeah. yeah. So that you know that brings us to Emerald Warriors ten and uh, I mean I think I think what did you guys think of it? I want to uh, know what you 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 seem like you have thoughts. Well, I I liked it. I can tell you that much. I thought it was it was uh, it was interesting to see that. Uh, well, what's what's the little little blue bastard just on there? So Gantt was like, okay, so here's the plan. We need to use all the colors in the in the. Uh, the rainbow to uh, break uh, what's his parallax out of the central battery. Mm-hmm. So then they start handing out the, the other two rings, which is the the was it the sapphire one and the orange one. Yep. And guys like make Jordan wear the sapphire one. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. At one point he's like, uh, I don't like this. It feels like I have blood and honey in my mouth at the same time. Nice. <laughs> well, and then it's funny because, you know, together they weren't able to do it right away because then they get attacked. And then Gambit says, well, really, all we need is Kyle anyway. <laughs> no, <laughs> Kyle, no, Guy. It was, it was Guy. 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 I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, really, all we needed was Guy anyway. You know, the yeah. other guys were just, you know, window decoration. Because Guy had the two colors at the farthest end of the spectrums. So, yeah. Yeah. He's all loving and hating, and then it turned into. He even said, "This is psycho babble crap." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you love and hate? And he's, he's like freaking out, and it was funny. 
Well, but if nothing in, else. In the end. Yeah, I really like that it really progressed the story. I mean, it wasn't just another book of the same old thing. It really, really moved things along. And I think there's, what, one issue left of The War of the Green Lanterns? Yeah. Uh, negative Ghost Rider. What do you mean negative? I, I could have sworn. I thought it was only a ten-parter. I mean, there's going to be an epilogue and aftermath, but yeah. I think there's one more of the main. Oh, I, guess, I suppose. They, yeah, they're, 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 they, they, made, they made it seem like the epilogue was going to be like, series part of it, but maybe you're right. No, you know, the thing I didn't really... I, I guess it's not as big a deal now if there's only one part left, but it sure would have been nice to see him keep those the different color rings for one more, you know, for the whole thing, but I don't know. I, I guess it's okay. Because now they've got the, the core back, basically. Well, I, I gotta tell you, I've really enjoyed John Stewart Indigo. He, uh, he's, he's kind of a badass. Well, he killed the John, planet. No shit. John, John Stewart Indigo with his Indigo sniper rifle was was pretty awesome. In the in the in the Indigo camouflage, which doesn't work, <laughs> but I don't care. It was awesome. <laughs> it's like so you're gonna blend in at a cotton candy factory, but that's about <laughs> it. Or a cheerleader yeah. store. So you know, I I I guess I could understand if you've been you've been put through the Blackest Night Ringer. And had to deal with all, all of that, and all of the brightest day fallout, and, and we're like, you know, I'm just tired of these characters. I'm tired of buying three books, and I, you know, I get that because honestly, once this crossover is over, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I'm not gonna be getting all three of these books anymore. But agreed. Um, and I would love to have to be reading a Green Lantern book that didn't involve Hal Jordan. You know, so I mean, if they can, if they can come out with. Uh, lantern books that don't cross over into the other two, um, you know, I'll hop back on. But I'm just not interested in buying all three of those because, like I said, I just really not a big Hal Jordan fan. I'm not either. For me, I jumped out of Green Lantern back when they brought him back because I was a big Kyle fan. Yeah, Kyle was just the more interesting character to me, and then his books became, you know, part of the core. I've never cared for the core either. I I don't want these big cosmic stories. It's not my thing. A lot of people, it is their thing. I'd rather have just a Green Lantern on Earth story. Send Hal off on the core. Give Kyle his own book on Earth, and I'll start buying the book again. Yeah. You know, given our feelings about Hal and uh, Ryan Reynolds, it'll be very interesting to hear our review of Green Lantern, I think, in a few weeks. No, it won't. No, but if you look at the previews, and if you look what they did in uh, like First Flight, they're taking the best of all the Green Lantern's personalities, and they're meshing them into Hal. You know, he makes far more interesting ring constructs than we had ever seen Hal do in the comics before. You know, coming back to life. I mean, it's there's a lot of Kyle in the Hal that they're doing, at least in the cartoons. I expect the same out of the movie. We'll see. You know, I, I, I'm very curious where they're going to go after the epilogue. Yeah. Um, to War of the Green Lantern. You know, and again, I keep bringing up Flashpoint. I'm, I'm hoping that when Flashpoint's over, DC takes a more continuity light uh, thinking towards their titles. Because Brightest Day, Brightest Day killed the DC universe, really, for me for a while. You know, I, you know, I wanted to drop Green Lantern. You know, I mean, between Brightest Day, Blackest Night, all their books are tied together. But the books I enjoy the most are the stuff that you know, seems a little removed. I don't have to buy a billion books to understand what's going on in this book. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping we get some type of Green Lantern book, you know, maybe inspired, you know, it could even be influenced by the movie, just like the Mighty Thor is, 
you know, just a little more continuity light, a little more reader friendly, and I don't have to buy three books every every month, you know, on the same week every month. Yeah. I just want DC to give me a readable Superman. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. yeah don't hold your breath. Well, Spider-Girl, number seven. Uh, I'm so sad that this book is almost over. It has really found its feet. I, you know, the, the artwork is, uh, is mostly great. And, uh, the, the story is fantastic. In fact, I gotta say, after reading this issue, uh, Andrew, Paul Tobin, I will follow him wherever he goes because he has such a knack for writing team ups and writing fight scenes that make sense. You know, that there's, yeah. there's a lot going on inside the fight scene. And he he really does convince you that this is the reason why this turned out the way it turned out. I mean, I just thoroughly dig in the way he handles these characters. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, and we've said this before, but he does a great job writing it. I'm, I'm very interested in the, the character and uh, some crazy stuff happens this week with her uh, kind of digging into the origins of Raven and. Uh, spoil warnings on, but then at the end, Raven kidnaps her uh, roommate and and her pseudo father figure in her life, yeah. and it's uh, man, I, I don't know how they're going to wrap it all up in eight. To be honest, I don't know yeah. how they're going to to bring everything to a head. I don't either, I, I, and I'm curious about that. I'm wondering if they'll cliffhang it and then pick it up somewhere else, or you know, if it's just going to be one of those stories that never gets resolved. But I, I just really so much enjoying this book and, you know, just hate that it's not it wasn't successful enough for them to continue on. Um, the character is very likable, you know, and if you're willing to suspend some disbelief that she can go swinging around New York City without any powers whatsoever. <laughs> um, I, I it's just a fantastic book. You know, it's just it, it, I, I, it fires on all cylinders. And, you know, if you can work your way through the horrible art of some of the early issues um, the writing has always been spot on. Paul well, and, Tobin, and don't, don't you imagine that it was the horrible art that killed this book? Oh, I'm certain. I'm certain because I think that if you if you had uh, the artwork that it has now, and you know, uh, in these latter issues with those early issues, um, I, I think you wouldn't have had a problem with sales. Yeah, because I started with the beginning of the the Grim Hunt, uh, or wasn't yeah. called Grim Hunt, but the the Craven's Daughter storyline, and right. the art was. Almost un unlook. I mean, yeah. Oh, it was it was it was you know terrible. It was, yeah, it was can, just terrible. It did not it, fit the story at all. It made my eyes bleed to look yeah. at it. But you know, uh, Paul Tobin's got a got a good handle on this character. Has a good handle on the supporting characters, and I particularly like the way he writes Amazing Spider Man. Uh, you know, he's got Spider Man in the story. And Spider-Man's smart, so he's very much Dan Slott's Spider-Man. And he goes over and he is correcting equations that you know the, the Raven scientists are working on. Uh, I just I, 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 and I like how Spider-Man mentors and is protective of Spider-Girl. You know, All right. I, well, I just, she has no powers. You should be protective of her. She's getting thrown <laughs> out of you know fifth-story windows. Yeah. yeah, she's fighting the hobgoblin on her own. Yeah, yeah, she's falling out of the fifth story window, and she's like, "I, I didn't need you to save me. I could have taken care of that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we finally figured out why their neighbor was so creepy in this yes. issue, which you know they've been harping on that for at least four issues about how weird this guy was. Yeah, I just thought he was creepy, creeperson. <laughs> yeah, how they skeeved him out. He was always coming over to check on him. So, hey, girls, how y'all doing? Y'all need any help with the light bulbs? <laughs> <laughs> I could screw in some light bulbs for you, you know, if you need. I thought I heard a pillow fight going on. I thought I could ask what's going on. 
but yeah, I I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Yeah, I'm I'm sad. I mean, it's finally. Uh, I'd say with last issue, they finally got the art and the story on the same level, and it's yeah. uh, it's a bummer. We've only got one more to go. It really is, it really is. But you know, I, I've got my fingers crossed that they'll do something interesting with the character elsewhere. And like I said, I'm going to be mindful of where Paul Tobin goes because he's just done a fantastic job in this book. And although Spider Girl might be ending, Kirby Genesis is just beginning. You know, I'm so happy they made a book about my favorite Super Smash Melee brother character. Uh-huh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and Alex Ross is doing the art. I mean, how Never hard is Kirby he's a big pillow. More ghost-like. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a pillow. I mean, how hard can he be? <laughs> With a mouth. With a yeah, mouth. he's got a big mouth. Big mouth. Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> Rawr. What was that? <laughs> that was Kirby. Rawr. <laughs> so, but actually, I think what they're referring to here is Jack Kirby, not Kirby the Pillow. Oh, I'm my interest level has dropped from like awesome to no pulse, right? Like that. <laughs> so, Kirby Genesis number zero was released this week. A one dollar preview of the upcoming Kirby Genesis series, written by Kurt Busick. Um, Plot and cover by Alex Ross, uh, and interior art by Jack Herbert and Alex Ross. And Aaron and I picked it up. Aaron, what'd you think? Well, you know, I didn't have big hopes for this book, Paul, because, and I, I don't say this to be harsh or cruel, but it's a dynamite book. It's a dynamite book with Alex Ross, and I've not had good experience with that. I don't know if you'll recall the Superpowers series that Dynamite and Alex Ross put together. That you know Alex Ross was involved in kind of plotting that and doing the covers and designs and whatnot. And Superpowers picked up all of these public domain characters and tried to bring them back into a modern setting. And the books were just terrible. Uh, the I mean the the artwork that Alex Ross did was stunning. But the stories and interior artwork that were done by other uh, pencilers was just terrible. You know, I thought it actually started off well for the first month or so and then just went all to hell. Yeah, it was just terrible. But uh, so I I didn't have a whole lot of hopes. Plus, I was a little concerned about the premise. The premise for Kirby Genesis is when the old Pioneer space probe uh, was sent out, they uh, – Artists were were you know solicited to tell us what should we be communicating about uh, Earth in the event an alien intelligence encounters the space probe that we're sending out, and so the thing that Jack Kirby recommended was that uh, uh, you know we we should depict ourselves as our imaginary selves, you know? And so he had this very Kirby-esque look of like, you know, superhero characters leaping away from planet earth was his submission. This was actually a real thing that happened. They didn't actually use Jack Kirby's artwork. In fact, they used something that was, you know, uh, very anatomically correct and, and whatnot for, for, for the pioneer probe. But, um, you know, Jack Kirby wrote, it appears to me that man's self-image has always spoken far more truthfully about him than does his reality figure. My version of the plaque would have revealed the exuberant, self-confident supervision uh, with which we've clothed ourselves since time immemorial. The comic strip superheroes and heroines, in my belief, personify humanity's innate idealism and drive. However, I would have liked to include no further information than a rough image of Earth and one moon. 
I see no wisdom in the eagerness to be found and approached by any intelligence with the ability to accomplish it from any sector of space. In the meetings between discoverers and discoverees, history has always given the advantage to the finders. In the case of the Jupiter plaque, I feel that a tremendous issue was thoughtlessly taken out of the World Forum by a few individuals who have marked a clear trail to our door. My point is, who will come a-knocking, the traitor or the tiger? And so the premise of the book is that you know we send this probe out with the Jack Kirby image of these two superhero figures um, and who finds it and how they respond. So I, I wasn't really sure what I thought about the premise. It sounded a little, okay, Jack Kirby drew a, a plaque and we shot it into outer space. How exciting is this going to be? And I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the, I thought the writing was terrific on the book. I thought the artwork was amazing and really captured a lot of that feel of Jack Kirby. Um, I got to the end. What is it? A, it's a 10-page story, Paul, something like that? Yeah, something like that. And I got to the end of it, and I was like, oh, crap, it's over. But then they've got these just beautiful sketch pages and showed like – Jack Kirby concept art for some of the characters that they're pulling into these, some of these characters that were designed for the New Gods book over at DC, but were never used. And Jack Kirby owned them, so they're pulling them into the into this book. Uh, I I'm I'm as excited as I can be about this project. I think this sounds fantastic, and I love what was on the page. I'm I'm not as excited as Aaron. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I do think you know I. I'm, I'm going to sound harsh here. Oh, Paul. I don't mean to. Paul. Paul. And I know this is sacrilege. Oh. We're going to lose some listeners for this. Let's burn them. I, I, I feel like Jack Kirby reused a lot of ideas. Oh, and I reused a lot of his own ideas. I would agree with you. Reused I mean, a lot of his own ideas. You know, yeah. something didn't yeah. work at Marvel. Well, I'm going to write it. The exact same story at DC. Oh, and just, I mean, you, know, you feel like that make... because it's true. Yeah, no, but, I mean, if you put the Eternals next to the New Gods... I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then, you know, he he had um, independent books that were very similar to the yeah, New Gods. You know, absolutely. he had stuff like Captain Victory and Silver Star. Yep. You know, instead of, you know, Captain Victory was like Orion. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's a lot of repetition in, in, in Kirby's. No, um, I completely agree with you. Okay, good. Now, that being said, I don't like the Eternals. <laughs> and I sure as hell am not liking what DC is doing with the new gods right. or what has what DC specifically Grant Morrison has done with the new gods and dark side and the, and those characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, but I like that, that form of storytelling. I like that. There's the, there are these other beings that are larger than life. And it's not just, you know, it's not just a regular alien race. We're talking gods and, you know, humongous space creatures and things like that. And so I, I like some of the ideas. You know, the 12-page story, you know, ju- it, like you said, just when it gets going, it's like, son of a bitch, because there's not much there. It, it is definitely a teaser. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you know, I, and I want to speak to what you were saying about Jack Kirby's art. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, he, he had a comfort zone that he would stay in quite a bit while he would grow his technique. His character designs were very similar. I don't think Jack Kirby was a was, – was extremely talented writer i think that he was talented as a writer but his his strength was obviously in visual storytelling i think jack kirby did his best work when somebody else was writing for him 
you know, and, you know, Stanley and he, you know, collaborated on creating those iconic characters over at Marvel. And I think that's when Jack Kirby was doing his best work, when he had someone to collaborate with. And that's what really excites me about this book is that Kurt Busick is writing it. And you've got folks who are, you know, bringing these Kirby-esque characters, um, you know, in a Kirby style. I mean, that, that was one of the things that I found fascinating about this book is that not only were the, the characters – these Kirby templates, but there are pages on the book that look like Kirby could have drawn them. You know, the, the, the extreme foreshortening on, on uh, some of the, the, uh, the pages just was like smack dab out of a Kirby book. You know, Absolutely. And, and when I was a kid, I, you know, I'll say, I'll, I'll make a confession. When I was a kid, I didn't care for Jack Kirby's artwork. You know, I didn't get it. I had to, I had to grow up a little bit before, uh, I really appreciated this work, and now I look at it and I just can't believe that I that I didn't enjoy it back in those days, because I think his work is beautiful. But I agree. I mean, he he does go back to the well a lot on similar ideas. But that being said, my favorite part of this book was actually the afterward. You know, where they yeah. show the sketches, yeah. and you know, you see that some of Jack Kirby's most interesting character designs. We're left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. You never saw the light of day. I mean, some of these characters are so off the wall. They're literally like nothing else he designed. Yeah. Um, you know, which is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see this. I, I, I really can't wait to see this 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 book because I, I just think it's beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to you know pick up the first issue. It seems like an interesting artistic collaboration. You have it really regular does. pencils and inks, and you have Alex Ross painted art that seems to um, – I don't know if it's just on these new god type characters or you know how they're going to mix it, but I'm I'm very curious to see how it's going to look you know as an ongoing series. Yeah, I, I'm also really curious about um, what the the Kirby what the Kirby heirs involvement is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know because the the concepts and characters you know are from Jack Kirby, and I know the Kirby uh, family has been really judicious in the in the safekeeping of of his you know copyrighted um you know creator owned material so i'm i'd love to know what the collaboration was there well it says special thanks to lisa kirby paul s levine and mark evanier and mark evanier is very very protective yeah well and the, the the book that he wrote that about Jack Kirby that's referenced here in this book I have and it's an amazing uh, art book showing all of the old you know Jack Kirby artwork and you know it's great because it'll show you you know Jack Kirby's pencils his inks his coloring I mean it just you know it's page to page to page fantastic book can't recommend it enough So Kirby Genesis number 0 was only a book pick it up you know it's not going to hurt anything that's gonna be on the trade pick it up it's not gonna hurt it's not gonna hurt anything you know yeah you could buy like 12 packs of ramen noodles or you could buy one copy of kirby genesis number zero or you could buy a special free insert of super eight with your copy of zombie number three yeah you know when i when i picked up my copy of zombie number three i was like wow this is this is kind of a thick book what the hell and there is a special comic book insert for uh the Super 8 movie coming out this summer, the J.J. Abrams film. The Super 8 comic is written by Peter Tomasi uh, with original story by J.J. Abrams and David Baranoff. Um, 
I, Paul, did you when you were reading this, did you feel like maybe it was telling you a little bit more about the movie than you wanted to know going into it? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, you I, know, I, what, what bugs me is they have been so secretive. Yeah. About what what Super Eight is about, you know. Yeah, it's implied that it's about aliens. Yeah. But maybe, you know, but the fact that the but the way they're advertising it, it may not have been. Yeah. You know, it could have been you know creatures from under the ground. It could have been anything. Um, but now we know it's specifically aliens because I read this tie-in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was a little surprised. It, it it seemed like they were giving me a whole bunch of information that maybe I should have waited to see the movie before I got. You know, and I think it's a little spoilery. You know, well, I let's said not, uh, let's not go into too many details. Then. <laughs> so because I kind of want to see the movie. Well, and, 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 and I agree. I don't think we ought to spoil it for, for anybody else. But if you haven't read that insert yet, make sure that you don't. If you want to be unspoiled, going to the movie, because I, I I say this without having seen the movie. I feel like it's giving you more information than you probably ought to have before you go see it. And I totally agree. Yeah. And, you know, and just to review the, the comic piece of it, um, it was a little narrative heavy. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought there were far too many words on the page. Um, uh, yeah. The, not only is it spoilerific, it's boring. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it is literally like giving you nothing but story, nothing but spoiler story. Yeah. You know, it's it, like they're it, just throwing know, up like, into your brain. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Here's There's your information. Um. <laughs> You know, so if like like Aaron said, if you haven't read it, I, I would recommend reading it. And it's not that it's bad; it's just bad. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's it's going to support a positive movie going experience. Agreed. Yeah. But the book that it was in, Zombie Number Three, by John Rosen and Fraser Irving. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of that one, Aaron? You know, I'm really digging Zombie. Um, I have a similar complaint about Zombie. That I did with the Super 8 uh, insert, though, is that it also was a little narrative heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was getting tired of the uh, all the insert uh, narration boxes. You know, throughout the throughout the story. I mean, they were telling you important things about the story, but I just I would have rather that they had found a visual way to tell me that versus you know box after box after box of text. Now it, it, it's a hefty book, you know. It, it, yeah. Not only is it, you know, it looks longer because you get the Super Eight thing in there, but it takes a while to read. Yes, this this was this was uh, by far the uh, the most time I spent reading a book this week. Um, but that said, this book is cool. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I I love that you know uh, our main character gets to get bitten in half. And then reassembles himself. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I, I have to wonder, you know, it's these little nanites that, that course through his body that, uh, you know, assist him in regenerating. And I just wonder, you know, this creature has, you know, bitten and swallowed more than half of his body. Is there another version of him growing in the creature's belly? You know, knitting itself back together? That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you've got nuns that are you know shooting guns and uh, badass rabbis. I mean, what else would you ask for in this? You know, and golems. Yeah, golems. It's a uh, it, it's a crazy crazy book. Yeah. Um, now I, I will say at this point, and I, I hope this turns around in issue four because mm-hmm. this seemed like the end of you know the first main storyline. Right. I feel like there's not 
much character development yet. Well, you know, yeah, it's it's all been action since the first issue. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you haven't gotten to – I mean you've gotten a, a lot of characters introduced to you, but you really haven't gotten to spend much time with the characters other than just watching them do really you know, badass stuff. So I'm not emotionally invested in the book yeah. yet. No, I get that. I get that, and I, I'm kind of right there with you, and, I, and I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more development there. Um, but I like the cast of characters that they've introduced to us. You know, I like the the superhero fighting nuns. I love the uh, the uh, you know Catholic schoolgirl. Um, and and I think one of my favorite parts of this book was the nice two page spread of the ghost talking to him as he's regenerating. Mm-hmm. You know, you know her talking to him about you know the difference between the living and the dead. I mean, there there's a lot of of uh, ideas going on in this in this story, and I dig that. I want them to spend a little bit more time sharing those ideas with me visually rather than through the narrative. Correct, I agree. And I got to say, Fraser Irving, you know, he he has. I I can see that people will either love or hate his art style. Yeah, but I love the art. I oh, love yeah. the art on this book. Oh yeah, yeah. The art is just amazing, and the colors work so beautifully with it. Mm. You know, it's it's just amazing. <laughs> and I, 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 I love that there is actually conversation that the two nuns won't let the rabbi and his golems ride in their car because you never can get that out of the upholstery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the golem droppings. You know, uh, you never get that out of the upholstery. <laughs> <laughs> they had to get their own. They had to, they, the golems had to ride in the Prius. <laughs> Back through the hurricane to their cousin. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I dug Zombie Number Three. I'm excited for Zombie Number Four. And yeah, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping we get to see some more character moments versus just the nonstop action. And if we don't, unfortunately, with Zombie Number Four, I think I will pick this book up and trade. Uh-huh. And that and, and Paul, that will kill the book. It will. You know. My one sale is riding on your. Well, you know, the, is riding on my one sale. The I gotta All, say, from you know, talking to my comic shop guy, you know, he's telling me that Zombie's not doing well in sales, and that uh, you know, I, I I fear that this is going to be another eight issue book. You know. Oh yeah, I, I, and I gotta be honest, I knew that. I felt that way with issue one. Yeah. Reading issue one, I said this is a fun book. It's going to be canceled within a year. Yeah. Now, fortunately, DC is a little bit more forgiving with its titles than Marvel is, um, so maybe maybe they'll give it a chance. But uh, man, I, I sure am enjoying what we've got so far. So, Aaron, sir, what episode number is this? This is episode number nine nine ninety seven. Is it was ninety seven? I thought ninety seven was last week. Ninety six was last week. Really? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, tank. Well, we we all know that we all can't count this high. He only has two hands. He can get to ten. Yeah. Once we passed up, and what's funny is when we first started this, Aaron used to introduce every episode like, "Welcome to the tenth episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly," and that shit stopped eventually once we lost track. <laughs> well, it's because I stopped being amazed that we were still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so we are three episodes away from our big one hundredth episode spectacular. Spectacular. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta pick Mary. my tux up. Yeah, it's gonna be a formal affair. Yeah, yeah my nipples are hard. <laughs> no, nobody's gonna get this, Andrew. But you should take a note from the coyote on uh, tux, uh, tux buying. Ooh, <laughs> that I had thought that's a good idea. I'm on it. I might need bail money eventually, though. 
Well. <laughs> so for big episode 100, um, we are looking for uh, a couple of things from you. There'll be a contest on the site that will allow you to uh, enter to for for discussion topics such as you know. Uh, Maybe a return to what if we were writing, you know, so you can tell us which comic book you'd like our perspective on. But really, any any topic you want to suggest, uh, you'll have an opportunity to enter into that. Or you can call the Ideology of Madness, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, and all those other guys hotline at nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three, and leave us your question, and we'll answer it in the show. And if we use your question, and if we use your uh, your topic idea, you'll win valuable prizes. Valuables in air quotes, by the way. Yeah, you may win. Uh, you may win all five issues of Power Man and Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Or a gift certificate to Ruby Tuesday. It could happen. <laughs> uh, no. It could happen. Now, now, Paul, we actually have some other news that we need to share. You know, people have been asking, when's your next episode of Knights of Rainsboro? Well, that's this coming Friday, June 3rd, is a return to Rainsboro. Very exciting. Very exciting. I hear there's a new kid on the block. Yeah, I, I've heard the same. Or he's a I hate, turd. I, yeah. I, I, no, I, I hear that, that I should hate that guy. Yeah, I, I know yeah, I do. Probably, uh, <laughs> probably uh, He's not going to last, don't worry. No, he's going to be the guy they kill early to so how, show how serious the story is. <laughs> shit's for reals. It's yes. like Steven Seagal in Executive Decision. That's yeah. that guy. Yeah. It's like <laughs> X-Men 100. Yet somehow all of his alter egos get to stay around because we really like those. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Oh, inside jokes are inside. Um, <laughs> recursive logic tim but but you know to be honest you'll all get it at some point if you listen and then come back to this and, well whatever so i'm sure people will do exactly that i'm sure or not <laughs> this friday listen knights of rainsboro is back and you know there there are great things coming up on the show it's a really going to be a great show well you guys have a good week take care everybody. Make, it a, make it a memorable week maybe a memorial week no i got uh, it yeah we, we got it. I didn't want it. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.